once it's confirmed, then you'll be ready to go. There's no content on it yet, but there's gonna be a lot of stuff coming up. Um, actually, what I wanna do is, I want to have um, several men post some things there, um, short things, not, not long sermons, but short things that'd be helpful. Could be a quote, a short devotion, things like that, all right? And so uh, you need to uh, register for that one at the church website, okay? Did I say that all right, Art? Anything else you need to add? Uh, if you want to blame anybody for the website, blame Arp. Arp, raise your hand. <laughs> blame him, okay? Uh, I just don't really touch it except the homepage strong him. Is I enjoy doing that part. Otherwise, he's the one to do the technical things. All right, uh, Brother Francis, where are you? There you are. All right, let's all stand. We'll sing um, 230. You guys are gonna have to stand because when we get down to the chorus, there you're gonna have to sing, save right off from the bottom of your lungs. There, two, 230. Save, save. I found a
tell you this. Um, the kids had a great week for VBS and the theme was navigating the word. You see the banner on the wall and so the lessons uh, were taught to the kids every day and uh, you need to know that it was Mrs. Nathan Ching who put the lessons together. And so a lot of work was involved in this. Look at this, it's really nicely done. And so um, and also, uh, Brother Arb was off all week yeah. to help with his wife. And of course, Nathan taught and we did different games and things. Went to the um, Missionary House Museum. Did some bowling. Did you know that some of them don't know how to bowl? <laughs> uh, did you know that for some of them, the ball is heavier than their bodies? <laughs> and did you know that some of them, for the first time, didn't know how to bowl, but then they learned how to bowl real quick? And did you know that we need to do this again, bowling? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was a lot of fun. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, and I want to thank the, you folks who donated to the cause, to the VBS week. Some of you gave cash. I think um, it was a total of about six or $700 for the, the VBS. That was a blessing. Others donated water and fruit and different things and time and uh, food to grill on the last day of the VBS. So we really appreciate everybody who participated and helped. And of, of course, all of you folks have prayed for them too. So that was a real blessing. And um, they learned about music and singing and scripture memory and um, sword drill and uh, how to make cookies. The cookies back there, they were made by the girls. I think this was the first time they ever touched a utensil or, or cookie batter or something like that. It turned out really good. And so they want to do that again. And uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of good spiritual emphasis, and so we want to thank you folks for praying for the young people and for those who um, uh, led the way, the adults. I think we should give them a good hand, don't you think so? Yeah. All right, Francis, there you are again. I'm going to go out the way again. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot, one more thing. This card, this card on the track table... That back table is a track table. This is a new card that was uh, printed. Nathan designed it. One side is English. It's a welcome invitation. On the back side is Chinese. It says the same thing. And so, um, have this with you. They're three by five size. Fits right over here in my purse. I mean, my pocket. <laughs> and uh, it's good to have uh, at the ready. So please take one of these. There's also other tracks to take with you. Have them on hand. Put a few in the car. Have them with me and do shopping wherever you go. You just don't know when you might have a chance to give someone a track. When I'm at Home Depot, I like to give a track to any Chinese that I find. And I walk up to them and say, excuse me, are you Chinese? <laughs> that sounds kind of rude, but I don't know. I don't speak Chinese, so I have to ask, are you Chinese? They say, yeah, I'm Chinese. I say, oh, yeah, I can tell you're not Korean because you better look at them Korean. <laughs> and I know you're not Filipino. Oops. <laughs> no, I'm not Vietnamese. I said, because Chinese are the best one, best looking. I just joke about it, you know, they have to do that. And I like to give them some. So have them with you. This is a new one, nicely done. So please have them with you to give up. Aren't you glad we have the, some of the most handsome, nice looking Chinese in our church? Amen. <laughs> $499. When you remain seated, we'll sing this song. It's a song by John W. Peterson. I have a home beyond the river. We're not talking about the, the earthly river here. We're talking about the river. Across this life.
173. Let's all stand. We'll sing this one more. 173. Thy word is like a garden, Lord. a figure in the Bible that is one of the central figures of the Bible, and that is Satan, the devil himself. We're going to look at what the Bible says about Satan. Uh, what does the word Satan mean? The word Satan or the word devil basically means accuser or adversary. Accuser or adversary. Why would God create the devil. You ever heard somebody ask that, or maybe you thought about that yourself? You thought, why in the world did God make the devil? I mean, here is this being, this spiritual individual who opposes everything that God stands for. He's trying to destroy God's work, he's trying to destroy God's people, and he's the opposite of God and everything that God stands for. Why in the world would God make the devil? That seems counterproductive. Well, the answer is that God actually did not create the devil. He created a spiritual being who became the devil. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's look at the devil before he became the devil. Ezekiel chapter 28. In Ezekiel chapter 28... It's going to describe 
Satan in his pre-fallen state, and then it's going to show how he fell and why he fell and some other things. And what's interesting about this passage is that it is actually addressed to the king of Tyre, but it goes beyond that because there are descriptions that do not match the king of Tyre. What we're about to read could not actually literally in all of it been directly applied to the king of Tyre, so he starts off talking about the king of Tyre, then he starts talking about a description of Satan. And so if you look at beginning of verse 12, it says, uh, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, we know that the king of Tyrus was never in the garden of Eden. Okay, so this is talking, this is going beyond that. It's talking about Satan who is controlling the king of Tyrus or influencing him or whatever you want to call it. And then it says, Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel of onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. The word tabret is a is a, in its musical instrument it's like a small tambourine or a timbrel or a small drum and it says of, of thy pipes like a flute it says that these musical instruments they were prepared in the in the day that thou was created so we know a couple things from that we know that the devil in his pre-fallen state originally was associated with music this description indicates that there were musical instruments that were actually part of his being. And it also says that he was created. He did not eternally exist. He was created. He had a beginning. By the way, did you know that the Mormon church, they teach that Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer? Well, that's impossible because Satan was created. Jesus Christ was not created. He's eternal. Man. All right, look at verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked upon, I'm sorry, walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Look at verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Now, Satan in his pre-fallen state, he was beautiful. He was an anointed cherub. A cherub is some sort of spiritual angelic type being in, in the Bible in heaven. He was beautiful. He was wise. Uh, he was associated with music. Uh, he, he was, some, many people say he was kind of like um, the counterpart of, of Michael the archangel. My, uh, there, there are different types of angels, and so we have an an archangel, which is the chief angel uh, that, that is above all the other angels. And so many people say that Satan was kind of like that in his pre-fallen state. He wasn't just a, a regular type of, of a cherub or, or angel or whatever it was, but it was this created being that was perfect and uh, adorned with precious stones and all of these things. And notice that his, his major sin was pride. His main sin was pride, which resulted in him being cast out of heaven becoming the devil now people say well wait a minute though but god knew that this was going to happen right yeah god knew it was going to happen why would god create all of this if he knew that was going to happen well we can get, talk all day about this philosophical argument and how um you know god does not want robots he wants people to be able to freely choose to serve him and if there's no ability to reject God, then you don't have the ability to accept God. You're just there, and 
It's kind of like, uh, would you like to be married to somebody who does not have a choice to not marry you? Or would you like somebody who freely chooses to marry you? You see the difference? So we're not going to go down that road and talk about all of that too much because I just want to uh, focus on Satan, what the Bible teaches about Satan. Satan has many titles, many names, many types of descriptions. Uh, I will give you uh, some of them. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the adversary. He's uh, transformed into an angel of light. He's called the beast. Beelzebub, Belial, deceiver, the devil, the dragon, the father of lies, the god of this world, Leviathan, Lucifer, man of sin, murderer, prince of devils, prince of the power of the air, prince of this world. He's like a roaring lion, the ruler of darkness, serpent, son of perdition, the tempter, the thief. And he's also called wicked, capital W, proper noun, wicked. Now, what is the work of Satan? What does he do? Uh, how does Satan operate? Uh, we know many things about Satan and the work that Satan does in the Bible. Number one, Satan tries to prevent people from getting saved. Satan tries to prevent people from getting saved. Jesus gave a parable of the sower and the seed, and he went out and he said, a certain man went out and he sowed different seeds. And in the parable, the interpretation, he said that the seed, when it fell on certain types of ground, he said, uh, based on the type of ground that it landed upon, that's what um, it produced different results based on the type of the ground. And he said that the seed was the word of God. He said on certain seeds, what happened? The birds came and ate the seed, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, what do the birds represent? He said, the birds represent Satan. The seed is the word of God. The type of the ground is people's heart and when they hear the, hear the seed. And so he said that the, the birds of the air came and ate the seed. That's the devil taking away the word of God that was sown in people's heart. The devil is instrumental and active in trying to prevent people from getting saved. Now, why would he do that? Because he opposes everything that God stands for. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If it's God's will and God's desire for mankind to be saved because God so loved the world, then Satan wants to do everything against that. And so Satan tries to prevent people from getting saved. The Bible says if our gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost in whom the god of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not lest the glorious light of the gospel of christ who is the image of god should shine unto them satan has blinded the world to the gospel or at least he attempts to blind people to the gospel he tries to get people to stay lost in their sin how does he do that well he deceives them he came to to Eve in the garden. And what was the first thing in the Bible that the devil said? Yea, hath God said? He's casting doubt in her mind. That's what the that's what the devil does. Some people they hear the gospel and then Satan comes and whispers and said, Oh, come on, you know that is that that's not really true. And brings all these arguments and these things and tries to get them to doubt the word of God. You know, it's amazing how so many people, they have absolutely no concern for spiritual things. You try to witness to somebody, you try to talk to people about the afterlife and about death and things like that. And it's amazing how you, how everybody knows that one day they are going to die. It's not up for, to, for debate. Okay. I don't care if you're a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim or an atheist or, or whatever you are. Everybody agrees on one thing, and that is death. Death. And you try to talk to people about death, and you try to talk to people about well, what do you think is going to happen after you die, and what do you think happens, and do you believe in the afterlife, do you believe in heaven, do you believe in hell, and, pe and people, they just joke about it, like it's no big deal. And they know they're going to die. In some of them, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And that's if they live a long, healthy, natural life. Everybody knows, I mean, you could die today. Right now, since I've been preaching, there have been people that have, that have died in the world. Right now, 
Bam, somebody else died. Bam, somebody died right now. Bam, there goes another one. All over the world, people are dying. They, you can go on the internet, you can find this, this uh, chart or this, this type of um, calculation and thing, and it's, it's showing you how many people are dying every minute. Death. Death comes knocking at your door. Everybody, and you and you ask them, and you try to witness to them, and you or or before you even talk about the Bible, you don't even have to get that far, and you try to talk to them about what do you think is going to happen after you die, and they joke about it. I talked to a guy at work about a week ago. He said, "Oh man, I just I uh, I having these problems with his girlfriend, and how she cheated on him, and he's cheating on her, and he and and all these problems, and he." Talked about how his whole life that's been his lifestyle and, and he feels bad about it and and he feels really unfulfilled and always having all these problems and he says, Man, I just uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't I need to do something. I I uh, uh, I don't know, I need to go to church or something. I thought, well, okay, there there's there's an open door. But the thing is you try to talk to this guy and he just won't take anything serious. It's just a big joke. I said, so, uh, I said, well, what, you believe in heaven? You believe in hell? What do you think is going to happen after you die? Oh, I'm definitely going to go to hell for sure. I said, does that concern you? And he starts making jokes about, you know, what, what's going to happen in hell. And, and just, you, you can't have a serious conversation with him. Every single thing ends up as a joke. It might just be a smoke screen because he doesn't want to face reality. But he won't take anything seriously. That's how many people are. What does that tell me? That tells me that the devil is active in blinding people to the truth. They can't even uh, uh, face something as, as serious and final as death. And they, they can't even have a sober conversation, serious conversation about it. No matter what they believe, they just make a joke about it. They, they, the Satan distracts people with all these things so that they don't have to think about the reality that is coming right around the corner. He tries also to hinder the work of the ministry. He tries to hinder the work of the ministry. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. By the way, you ever try to witness to somebody and it's right when it seems like they're having a serious conversation and they're getting con under conviction and things and it looks like you're making some progress and Boy, it looks like they're, you know, if things keep going, it looks like they're receptive, they might get saved. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The phone rings, or the baby starts crying, or some distraction. You're like, oh man, you're getting this close, and this guy's, I mean, he's, he's really uh, believing everything I'm telling him, and it sounds like he's, he's, he's about to get saved, or at least he's receptive, he's listening, he's not arguing, he's not, not making jokes, and he's like making some headway with this guy and all of a sudden, bam, there's a distraction that comes up. I remember somebody gave me the address of a, of a relative and they said that this person, I guess they had, they were supposedly saved, been in church, and then they fell away and they were backslidden and um, they wanted me to go and, and uh, make, uh, pay a visit to this person and talk to them, maybe get them back in, see if they could get back in a church or something. So I went over there and the person, the, 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 this, the, the, the person was not home, but her boyfriend answered. And so I started talking to him and he invited me in. He said, he was really receptive and, and interested. And, and I thought, man, this is great. I mean, the, 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 the other, the, this uh, woman's not home that this person told me to come and, and talk to. It was a, a cousin or a granddaughter or something that she, um, she had a relative on the mainland and she was over here in Hawaii. And I thought, oh man, this is great. This guy, is, he's, it seems like he's ready. He's interested in coming to church. It sounds like he might even get saved and everything was great. And then right when I was making that progress, the girlfriend came home. And I said, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I met your aunt or whoever it was, and she told me that you lived here, and, 
and uh, she said that you went, used to go to church and things. I'm just, you know, I'm, we go to ch our church is over here. I thought maybe you want to go to church. So I was just talking to your, I met your boyfriend here, and we had a really nice conversation. And all of a sudden, she was just dead against it. She wasn't even saved. She wasn't interested in going to church. She wasn't interested in hearing about it. She said, oh, yeah, my aunt, she, she talked to me about it and all that, but I, I, well, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so, bam, there went that witness that I gave her boyfriend. I just felt like I had been kicked in the gut. It was just terrible. Satan tries to hinder the work of the ministry. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is a really interesting thing because the Apostle Paul is talking about how he wanted to um, go and, and visit the Thessalonians. And in chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Satan, trying to destroy the work of the ministry. He doesn't want people to hear the truth. Doesn't want people to hear the truth. Earlier, there was a prayer request about the staffing shortage in the prison that affects the chapel services. I wonder if Satan has something to do with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Satan has, and I'm going to show you, Satan is involved in things... Um, more so than we might think a lot of time. You see, you have to find the right the right balance here. The charismatics, they say, everything bad that happens is the devil. You had a flat tire, it's the devil. You get sick, it's the devil. You lose your job, it's the devil. The devil, the devil, the devil. Everything is the devil's fault. Every, oh, you, need a, you have a devil. We need to cast the devil out of you. And then on the other hand, there's people that say, oh no, the devil is it's kind of a non-issue. But you read in the Bible, and you see that the devil was involved in many things in the Bible that maybe sometimes we might take for granted. We might think, well, no, that's just the common affairs or whatever. That's just how life goes. And I'm going to see how the devil actually is involved in a lot of things that we might not realize. Uh, number three, he deceives people through false teachers. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. False teachers. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Jesus warned about wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, if they're in sheep's clothing, that means that they look like Christians. They deceive people into thinking they are Christians. Some of these false teachers said they all, oh, they look very nice and sweet. Satan is very wise. He appears, he's transformed into an angel of light, not darkness. That's how he fools people. He fools people by presenting himself to be religious. He looks like a Christian. He has people that act like Christians, very sweet, very kind, very inviting, very friendly, dressed very nicely. And what are they teaching? They're teaching false doctrine. And they're on TV and they have a lot of followers and they smile and, and they're dressed very nicely and, and uh, put on a good show very positive, uplifting, uplifting, encouraging message. And what are they teaching? Well, you have to see what they're teaching compared to the Bible. The Bible says that he has ministers. He appears as an angel of light. He looks very beautiful. You, understand, you ever um, looked at all these, some of these new age beliefs and they always talk about light? You ever heard people who had a near-death experience and they said that they saw a beautiful, bright light? And it was very inviting, and they wanted to go to the light. It's a counterfeit. You know what? Jesus said he was the light of the world. Right. You know, Satan is an imitation of Jesus Christ. Almost everything in the Bible that describes Jesus Christ, you can find a counterfeit of that through the devil. Yeah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan is the roaring, a roaring lion. Jesus said he'll come back his second coming 
he'll be just like lightning shine from the east to the west. And he says, I beheld Satan who fell like light, lightning. Everything that Jesus stands for and all the descriptions of, of Jesus, you can find a counterfeit in the devil. Right. Over and over and over again. Why? Because he's an imitator. That's how he deceives people. He accuses believers before God. How would you like that? Did you know that the devil accuses you before God? Remember Job? He, he went with the sons of God and presented himself before God. And God said, where have you been? He said, roaming about to and fro in the earth. And he went in and uh, God said, have you, have, you, have you considered my servant Job? How he's oh, upright. He's just a, he's such a great guy. And Satan said, well, of course, look how you've blessed him. Look how good you've treated him. Of course, he's going to serve you. Let me take a crack at him. Let me have him for a little while. Let me take away all of his, his possessions and his substance and all of those things. And he'll curse you to your face. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse 10, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan accusing the brethren before God. It's like he's the, the prosecutor, the prosecuting attorney. And then we have Jesus Christ, who's called our advocate. He's like your defense attorney. Satan, Satan accused the believers before God, something else. He wants to destroy the life of the Christian. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen uh, some of these comic strips or cartoons or a movie or something, and they depict the devil as, as you know, the, the classic depiction of Satan with, with the costume with the little horns and the tail and the pitchfork, and he's there reigning as the king of hell? That's not accurate. The devil is not in hell right now. The devil is right here on the earth. He says, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, eventually he'll be in hell, but even when he goes to hell, he's not going to be ruling and reigning over hell. He's going to be suffering in hell. Mm -hmm. So the devil is alive and well. He's right here in the world. He's very intelligent. He knows exactly what he's, been, he's doing. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's been studying human behavior. He's very crafty. He knows exactly what he's doing. And you can't let your guard down. Uh, he wants to destroy the Christian. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your fruit, your growth, all of those things. He afflicts people physically. Did you know that the devil makes people sick? I'm not saying every time somebody gets sick, it's from the devil. Some of the charismatics, they're like that. But did you know the devil makes people sick? Did you know that God allowed the devil to make Job sick? Did you know that the devil made Paul sick? Did you know that? The great apostle Paul and the devil made him sick. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that God gave him the it was called the messenger of Satan. It was called a thorn in the flesh. God allowed Satan to afflict Paul. Why? He had a thorn in the flesh. Paul prayed three times that God would take it away. God's answer was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. It was a blessing in disguise. God used it because God, uh, Paul said, Nevertheless, I will therefore glory, therefore, in my afflictions, for I am weak, then am I strong. That weakness forced Paul to rely on God's strength instead of his own personal strength. And Paul called that thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me. The messenger of Satan. And God allowed it. Isn't that interesting? When you get to think about how God does things or God allows the devil to kind of do his dirty work. It's very, very, I don't, I don't want to say 
well, kind of strange, and but it's it's very uh, eye opening when you read about this. There's many examples of how that happens. It happened with Job, and then God says to Satan, "You moved me against Job without cause." The devil made Job sick, boils and all of pus oozing out and all of that, just terrible. Not only that, Job's kids, all ten of them, died in one day. How? God gave the devil permission to cause that. Did you know that God allowed evil kings and nations to come and invade and chastise the nation of Israel? And God was behind that. God orchestrated that. Yes, yes, he does. In fact, the, that leads me to say that Satan is also involved in worldly affairs. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible says that um, God sets up kings and, and, and removes kings and He's involved in the political affairs of this world, but so is the devil. It's almost like they work hand in hand. You think about these different elections and different wars and different evil leaders and things like that, and you think about um, all of these things. You know, there are some things that we don't have control over. You can you can complain about these polit politics, politicians, and, and voting and all of those things, and I believe in voting and doing what we can, but there are some things in the end that we have no control over. Some, somebody once said, it was very profound, he said, God often gives a nation the leader that the nation deserves. You wonder, sometimes you wonder why we have these terrible presidents and politicians and things like that. Well, maybe that's what we deserve as a nation because of our wickedness. It's in the Bible. When a nation would apostatize and, and turn their back on God and go into idolatry and be wicked and God would give them a wicked ruler that would lead them down into a road of destruction and, and calamity and judgment. God does that. God sets up kings. He removes kings. The Bible talks about the devil being uh, also involved in influencing those things like that. Remember when David numbered Israel? It said God moved David to number Israel. There's another passage that said this, the, that the devil moved David to number Israel. They're both working together. Now, what's the defense against Satan? We saw Satan as far as his operation and things in the world and what he does. And all the, the, uh, those are just a few things. What is the defense against Satan? How do we defend ourselves as Christians against the attacks of the devil? Well, number one, you need to be saved. Uh, an unsaved person, he's at a great disadvantage when it comes to Satan. The Bible says the servant of the Lord must be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and all that in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them a place of repentance, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. They have been taken captive by the devil. And the first thing to do is to get saved. So you can receive the light of the world and have your eyes open so Satan doesn't have that much power and influence over you. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, people being um, coming out from, from darkness and under the power of Satan unto light. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you don't have the truth, you're going to be in bondage. And you're not going to know what to believe. You're going to believe a lie. That's wrapped up in and packaged just as the truth and something that's these these self-help books and all of this. There's so much stuff going around. I, I hear co-workers and people talking about, oh, I'm reading this book about this yogi from India and all of this stuff. And, and uh, some other guy gave me a book one time. He's talking about how you can discover that you are God and we're all God. And you just, we're all God. We just don't know it. We have to discover the God within us. And he says, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus was the Son of God, and we're all the Son of God. You see, some people, they, they use this religious terminology, and you might think, oh yeah, he, he's, he's, he believes in Jesus, and he's saying that the Son of God and all of this, and, and he sounds like a Christian, and then when you really get down to it, you find out that he's, he's, his 
idea of these terms, these biblical terms are not biblical. It's wrapped up in this, this new age package where it's just, it's spiritual, but it's not Bible. They're talking about how we're all God. And you have to discover the God within you and believe in yourself. And whatever you want, you can make happen because you are God. No, you're that, see, that's, that's satanic. That's the devil. You know what? That's what, that's what the devil told Eve. He said, you, sh you, really, you surely will not, you won't die if you eat the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God's trying to keep something good from you. Because if you eat it, you'll become gods. The Mormons say you can progress and become a god. The Mormons teach that God used to be a man just like you and I on another planet. And he progressed and he became a God. And we can do the same thing. They have this slogan. It says, as man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. That's what the devil said in the garden. You should become like gods. No, you won't. Well, it's another defense against Satan, other than being saved and knowing the truth. The whole armor of God. Paul said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, that's like a tactic. The whole armor of God. Resist the devil. The Bible says, Resist the devil, and he will flee. When Jesus was confronted by Satan, what did he do? Did he argue with him? No, he didn't. Did Jesus ponder and say, well, you know, that is true, or there is some truth in what you said. Did Jesus say, hmm, you know, I, I man, I, I am hungry. I mean, I've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's telling me to make turn these stones into bread, and I mean, everybody has to eat, and what's the harm in doing that? Did Jesus think about it? Mm. I wonder if there's a way I could do it where... It, it would be, you know, it wouldn't be wrong. That's what people do when they're faced with temptation many times. They try to justify it. They alibi. They try to say, well, maybe just this one time, or it's not really that bad. Well, at least I'm not doing this. It's not as bad as what I used to do, and um, maybe if I do it this way, or... No. Jesus didn't do that. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And Jesus counteracted right away with the Word of God. He resisted the devil. He quoted Scripture. He resisted the devil. And it says the devil fled. But in one of the passages, one of the parallel passages in the Gospel, it says he fled for a season. See? When you resist the devil and he flees, it doesn't mean he's never going to come back. It says he fled for a season. So you can't let your guard out. Oh boy, I, I was really tempted to do this and then and I, I resisted the temptation. I got the victory over that sin. I don't need to worry about that anymore. It said he fled for a season. Don't worry, that temptation might pop up later on. Oh, you know, I haven't been bothered. I, I quit that stuff a long time ago and you know, and it, it I don't have to worry about that. I, I talked to somebody who who uh, was involved in a certain. Um, he used to be a, used to be a drug addict, and I said, he said, I'm not even tempted to do that stuff anymore. It doesn't doesn't even face me. I said, you better be careful. I said, if you start hanging around other people that are doing that stuff, he said, yeah, you might not be tempted now by yourself. Now that you're in church and you're away from all that, but you get back to it, you get too close, and you'd be surprised what can happen. Right. And he said, "No, no, I, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I won't, I won't. Uh, you better be careful. You better be careful. It's kind of like a hot coal. You take it out of the fire, and it starts cooling off, but it's still warm." And you get it back to the heat next to the other hot coals, and it gets red hot again. That's how it is with sin and temptation. The Bible says Satan 
he'll leave only for a season and he knows the exact opportune time to return. Uh, what about Satan in the future? What is going to be the end of Satan? What's going to happen? Is he always going to be like this? Is he always going to have the power that he does now? Is he eventually going to overthrow God and God's kingdom and the believers and all of that? Uh, we do know in the future he will empower the beast, the Antichrist. And then we do know that he will fight against Michael the archangel. A lot of people put this event in the past. I believe it's going to be in the future. Go to Revelation chapter 12. I believe this is going to happen in the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 12, it describes a battle that's going to happen between Satan and Michael the archangel. Revelation chapter 12, verse uh, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Of course, we know that's the devil. Notice it says the devil has angels. The devil has angels. The Bible says, Depart from me, cursed, and everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So the devil has angels, likely angels that fell with him. It seems like there was something that happened in heaven when he was the anointed cherub and he had all these angels on his side. And when God cooked him out of heaven, there they went down with him. And then it says, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dr dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That passage right there is why I believe it's in the future. Because if this was in the past, we know that Satan was already cast out of heaven as the devil when Adam and Eve were in the garden. So there's only two people. So who are all these people that Satan had been accusing before God day and night? If this was in the past before Adam and Eve. There were no people. Adam and Eve were the first two people. So this has to be in the future. Which means there's going to be an increase in satanic activity in the, in the world. During the tribulation. We know that he's after the thousand years. Well, actually, when Jesus Christ comes back at the second advent, he's going to be bound to the bottomless pit for a thousand years, Revelation chapter 20. And we know he will be temporarily loose to deceive entire nations. Go to Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to wrap up with this. The demise of Satan, the end of Satan. Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now here's what's going to happen. Satan's future. The final end, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. He's not going to reign over hell. He's not going to be the king over hell. He's going to be torment, tormented forever and ever in the lake of fire. People say, well, the devil's going to be tormenting people. I don't see that in the Bible. I see he's tormenting people right now as much as God will allow him. But in hell, he's going to be tormented along with everybody else in hell. I don't see where he's going to be tormenting people sitting on a throne, ruling over hell with a pitchfork or anything like that. So that is the devil, Satan, Satan, the accuser, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. Let's go ahead and dismiss in prayer. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for showing us that the Bible is a, is a real figure, a real person, a real spirit in the world, to something to be taken seriously. Uh, Jesus Christ believed the devil. Uh, the Bible definitely says that the, the devil is something real. It's not just 
representing the force of evil or some um, mythological figure or, or uh, just uh, something to, to represent evil, but it's an actual person that we need to uh, take seriously. You've given us the tools to be able to defend ourselves against Satan. You've showed us what, what he's capable of, uh, what his desire is, and the, he's very, very active. Uh, he knows he has but a short time, and I pray that we would take these things seriously, that we would put on the whole arm of God, and that we would continue to stay in, in the book so that we are not be vulnerable to Satan and his tactics. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.